Hey friends, hope you're doing well. Welcome back to the Empowered Jewish Living Podcast. Shlomo Buxbaum here. Let me tell you a little bit about today's episode. You know how when we're young, we have this vision, this picture of how we think our life is going to turn out. And usually it's based on our community, it's based on our society, it's based on our culture. And we sort of paint this little picture in our head like I'm going to live here and marry this person and have this amount of kids and drive this car and live in this kind of house. And and we, we create this picture for ourselves that's very much connected to the box in which we were raised. And as we mature, our life will either turn out that way or it won't. And if it turns out that way, hopefully we'll be happy with it. It will live up to our expectations. Not necessarily, but hopefully it will. But then sometimes something will happen in our life and we'll have to step out of the box. And we could resist it. We could fight it. We could say, you know, this is not what I wanted. This is not what I dread. This is not how it was, quote unquote, supposed to be. Or we could embrace it, even though it has its challenges. But we can have fun with it. Can I say that? Right. But we can really fully embrace it and say, you know what? I'm just going to be out of the box. I'm just going to pave my own path. I'm going to be a trailblazer. I'll do something different. And the more that we are open to stepping out of that box, the more that we could embrace all of the different things and the challenges and the changes that life will present to us. So as we were making a list of different guests, my wife said, you know, we have to get on the podcast Javi. Brooke. She's on Instagram and she has a blog and she's just so incredible in just this out of the box way of living life, of thinking and how she's navigated her own challenges. So it really is a great pleasure to welcome onto the podcast Javi Brooke. Javi leads the Chabad Center in Bozeman, Montana. Bozeman, Montana, you heard me right, together with her husband, Rabbi Chaim, while raising her five beautiful children who are adopted. And Javi shares lessons and musings from her life journey on her blog, Clear as Mud, and on her Instagram account, and she teaches Torah classes to women around the world. So this podcast is about meeting Javi, listening to her incredible story, hearing the different mindsets that she uses to navigate everything, as well as just practical tools, practical tips, how to thrive when you're living in a place like Bozeman, Montana, in a leadership role, which has its highs and lows, having five children, having five adopted children. There's so much wisdom that Javi shares with us, and I think that you're going to uh, really enjoy and grow and be inspired from this podcast. The podcast is a project of the Love Experience. Check us out at levx.org and help support the podcast by sponsoring an episode. As usual, pick up a copy of my book, The Four Elements of an Empowered Life. Um, I'm going to stop talking about it soon because in a couple of months, God willing, we hope to have the second book out. So we're going to start driving you nuts about that soon. And of course, please subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already done so. Give it a rating leave comments, tell the algorithms on all the podcast platforms that this is a podcast worth listening to. And please also check out the YouTube channel of The Love Experience because we are now starting to post just short clips, highlights from all the different podcasts. And uh, hopefully that will do even more to pick up your day and also help the podcast reach even more people. Enjoy this conversation with Javi Brook. 
This is the Empowered Jewish Living Podcast, where we explore the beauty of Judaism, the depth of Jewish wisdom, and how to live a more empowered life. It is a great pleasure to welcome Javi Brook onto the Empowered Jewish Living Podcast. Welcome, Javi. Thank you for having me. It is an honor. Welcome, Devara Buxbaum, the Empowered Jewish Living Podcast. We're happy you're back. Thanks for having me as well, together with Javi. I'm so excited. Yes, and uh, we're excited as well. I know, Devara, you've been following Javi for some time, no? Yeah, I've been a, I've been a fan for a long time. Yes. Cool. That's so awesome. yeah, so <laughs> makes it even more fun. You know, before we get into your story, Javi, I just want to say, like, for the listeners, just to get a sense of when we're recording this. So we're recording this during the weeks where we read the Torah portion of Avraham and Sarah, Abraham and Sarah. And the Torah says that they went through 10 tests in their life. And as I go through their tests, I'm like, they went to a foreign land. They had they struggled having children. They had children. Then they had some behavioral issues. They had to send them out to the wilderness. <laughs> then they had like a near-death experience with one of them. I'm like, you know what? When Javi Brook reads this, she's probably like, yep. Yeah done that been there like totally relate (laughs) that's hysterical I never I actually never equated myself to Avram Avinu but that's very kind but here you know that so they say our sages say that like the same way that Avram Avinu that Abraham has his 10 tests so to every person in this lifetime they have to go through their series of tests so it's exciting for us to have you here and to hear your story and to hear how you navigated through the various things but I guess before we get into your story. Can you just share with us and with the listeners a little bit about who you are, who you are today, what do you do, and why do you do it? Wow, that's a lot of questions to like do it in a a jiffy. But okay, so my husband and I are Chabad emissaries in Bozeman, Montana. We've been here for 15 and a half years, and we love it. So we're super passionate about that. And that's kind of what we do. 24 seven. We have five children through adoption. We have two dogs, which is a new addition. Um, We, uh, so what am I doing right now? Um, You know, recovering from Yundif. (laughs) I feel like that's a full-time job. Um, But besides for that, so I am really um, passionate about the Tanya classes that I give. So I give that um, to my community and then I we, we finished um, a few months ago, I did like the, like the one open to the public through Instagram and Zoom. So we finished the whole first book of Tanya and I'm really um, excited to soon start our next series. So which I will be sharing soon once I get it all into place. Mm-hmm. Um, last year I did a women's retreat, which I loved and hoping to, um, I'm starting to gear up and get ready to do that again. Um, after Pesach, but I'm starting the planning now. So that's exciting. And, you know, and then just really um, immersing ourselves in our community constantly. We have a, we got a new building last year. We moved it out of our home, Mm, um, which was a huge um, change and um, upgrade. And so really just constantly, you know, reevaluating what does our community need right now? What are we focusing on? It's a constant, you know, it's a constant, like, you don't just sit back and be like, do the same thing for 15 years, right? It's a constant evolution of, especially after COVID, I think a lot of communities are really finding themselves having to adjust and 
figure out what is their community want and need right now because people are doing things so differently. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, you know, always happening. We just finished um, something really special. We did a Chabra Kadisha course for um, our community because we don't have an Orthodox community. We, you know, if somebody passes away and it's all, you know, one-stop shop. So we um, got some amazing training um, um, facilitated by the Neshama organization. I think they're out of Florida. And so that felt really special and kind of like another um, real, um, I guess, evolution or progression of our community that we now have an official Chavra Kadisha. Like if I, if it were to happen, like I would now have people that I can call and be like, can you do this with me? Right. Mm-hmm. And my, and for my husband, my husband has done many, he's done many himself. He does, he's, you know, and this is a really big kind of like, wow, we can, we can handle this. We can do this. So that's kind mm-hmm. of what's going on in our, you know, in our daily lives. Oh, so yeah, I want to know if you said nothing here. more, if you said not, if we stopped right here, I think you already told us exactly what we need to hear. I don't know what our listener is, but at least for us, right? Because yeah, we are somewhat in the same line of work. And also it's constantly, right? It's constantly reinventing and it's constantly asking yeah. yourself, like, what do the people need? Right. What's important for right now, right? Like what is, what is needed? And I think so easy to get caught up in you know, the programs that everybody's doing and the like, oh, this is the in thing and we all have to do it. And, but, you know, I've been here for many years, so I, it's not how we operate at all. And I find our community so unique and in their needs. And sometimes it feels like, I hope, I hope we're getting this right. But, um, and it feels like, oh, we're not, we're not doing that. And we're not doing that. And we're not doing that. But, you know, we really have gotten good at really focusing and honing in on what needs to be happening. Wow. Beautiful. You know, you said just for our listeners, cause I don't think they could appreciate enough if they don't follow you. I don't think they could appreciate enough. What, when you said recovering from the holidays, just yeah. watching you. Um, <laughs> and in terms, even the, just, just the physical preparation, forget about the whole emotional preparation that goes into, and you know, all the caring and needs, but physically ladies and gentlemen, if you, um, saw what Javi did and what she puts together, um, you know, just, she's, she's everything. She's, she takes care of the meals and the setup and everything looks so beautiful. And Javi, I don't know so much what goes on behind the scenes, but you always seem to do it with such grace. And I will tell you, even if you, you know, cause I know sometimes like it looks like with grace and, but you always do it with so much love and care. And it is so noticeable to the people who Aww. are watching. Well, yeah. thank you. I'm glad that comes across because that's, that's very true. Even if you're exhausted and I'm tired and, you know, it is a, a labor of love and it is, you know, and I get so much joy out of, you know, creating a beautiful table and mm-hmm. having yummy food and like, yeah. So on it. Yeah. It, you, like I always say, like w- your body takes a beating, you know, like yeah. it is a big deal. It's a lot going on, but it is something that is wonderful. This year was it super intense the way the holidays fell out. Yes. You really were just like, you know, Shabbos, holiday, you know, like it was mm. hard. And so definitely um, I, I did, you know, last week, try to take a couple of days and really try to like fill that, fill that cup. And yeah. um, because it was just, um, it was a lot, but it was beautiful. And, you know, what a well, change kudos to you, kudos yeah. to you. <laughs> and here, you know, obviously you can relate to, to obviously you also uh, put in so much hard work and beautifying our yomtiv. So I'm in the presence of greatness here. This is <laughs> the empowered Jewish women. Don't forget it. <laughs> exactly. 
Um, uh, let's get into your story a little bit, and then I want to, yeah, I want to discuss your story, and then I think we just totally want to life hack into your life because there's probably just nuggets of wisdom that you could share with us and our audience. We always like to, you know, keep it practical, and you have so much wisdom that you could share. So you are in uh, Bozeman, Montana. Um, let's, I guess, start there. How did you end up there? Of all places. Okay. Of all places. <laughs> Of all places. So where are you husband, from originally? Sorry, Javi. Where are you from originally? Okay, I'm actually, I grew up in San Antonio, Texas. Okay. Um, my parents are Shlachim. They're, you know, they have the Chabad house um, there. And so okay. I, that's how I grew up. And uh, my husband, as a yeshiva student, uh, tr- like they have this program where they send yeshiva students to locations that don't have like a permanent Chabad house mm-hmm. for outreach. And so he went to Montana for um, two year, two summers before we were married. And he, um, you know, visited Jews and really made connections with a lot of people. And he really felt like after doing this for two years that there was enough, you know, people and interest for a permanent, you know, situation and so even when and he just decided like that that would be a good idea so when we were (laughs) dating he like casually would be like would you move to Montana and um and he said he said I I, oh sorry I lost my train of thought so he said uh, I said sure (laughs) so we literally we we got engaged we got married and during that summer we um we visited and in March, so basically the day after our first anniversary, we moved. And wow. that's how we okay, So there. I'm very intrigued by that because, so you weren't like sent there specifically, like you really, no. you really chose there. Oh. Yeah. We, so obviously we had to, you know, we were approved and we, yes. you know, were official and we went through the proper channels, but it was my husband, like it was my husband's idea. And actually many people um, were like, uh, like, what are you, <laughs> what are you doing? Like are you sure you want to move to Montana? It's crazy. So um, my husband's like, yeah, I'm telling you it's viable. Um, And I would have, I grew up on, you know, living this life and I was actually prepared. Like I'm adventurous. Like I love to do crazy things. I was like, I wouldn't even move out of the country. Um, But my husband is like, he's like, I'm staying in America. So (laughs) we ended up in Montana, which is, I love it here today. I'm kind of cranky because it is, so windy and like zero degrees outside and i'm not happy about that we always like to have guests on cranky days we feel like that's when we get the best when they're cranky they're in a bad mood like great day for a podcast i literally told my husband this morning um i'm like i'm like crying i'm like i have to do a podcast and i have to like be presentable no no (laughs) we're here to bring you some sunshine because somehow today in maryland it's 77 degrees i have no idea how so we're, we're, it we're, in, we're someone else told me that and I'm like uh don't yeah it's weird it's weird but I will say you had a gorgeous fall I mean your fall and we you did and we actually guess. don't um we don't usually have a fall so I was every day of the fall I was uh, like and I as I was walking the dogs I'm like this is amazing this is a miracle I'm gonna appreciate this because I'm gonna fun. be very not happy when it's over <laughs> um but yeah is and, the we did is the mentality is the mentality when you go to um, Bozeman, Montana, that like 
you were here for life. You were 100% committed. And then that being said, what's considered success for you? What's considered failure? And like, at what point, at what point do you sort of make this decision that we are here for life and this is working? Okay, that's a really good question. I actually get that. Yeah, some people ask me, like, oh, are you going to be in Montana forever? Um, so when we move to a location as shluchim, as emissaries, in general, the attitude is we're moving for life. Um, and that's usually how it goes. Now, I think, you know, I, you know, the life circumstances happen and there are times where somebody has to move, whether the community is, um, like leaving and it's dwindling or there's a medical situation for a child or you know there are times where you do have to move and it's okay like that it's life that happens but the general like attitude is when you move you move for life so for us that's how we move to montana like this is going to be our home um there were times where um you know family life and situation got really hard and we were like can we can we stay here like is it sustainable and we kept coming back to like it's not really going to be any better somewhere else right so yes it's hard yes we don't have Jewish schools yes even our even like I like I said I'm traveling to Denver next week for my daughter's doctors like we don't even not only is it Jewish wise isolated we live in a small town so Mm -hmm. even like regular like we have no um specialists right Mm -hmm. if you need a specialist you're traveling like that's just we live in a small town so um we always came back to like this we really felt like this is where we're meant to be this is where we're meant to raise our family and we make it work so has there been times where we questioned whether we can sustain it yes um but has it ever been to the point where we really felt like moving would make a huge difference in our lives not not no um fascinating and 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 to your to your question about success or failure I mean I think in life like we have moments of success and we have moments of failure there's many things that you know feel like failures or didn't work but really you know in the big scheme of things is part of your story and part of helping you figure out what does work so of course we've had many disappointments and many failures um but I wouldn't call like to me, it doesn't feel that way. Um, and I think, you know, you have one really important thing is you have to be able to sustain where you're at. So financially, like if it becomes unsustainable financially, then then you, you, you got to do something. Right. So, um, those would be reasons like unsustainability financially, or, you know, a, a family situation, you know, those would be reasons to, to move. Um, so it's not like do or die, like you have, you know, like you have to, you know, stay no matter what. I'm sure some people have that feeling, you know, especially the older generation would probably have more of that, like Masiras Nefesh, like, um, self-sacrifice, you know, like no matter what we stay. Um, but I think most people, it's like, as long as you can sustain nobody's expecting it to be easy, right? There's so many challenges and so many hardships, uh, but usually that's just part of it. And you kind of know going into it, like what you're going to be Great attitude. Really beautiful. Let's jump into your five adopted children. 
So there's something that I've heard you say, I believe I heard you say it twice, and 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 it, it sort of circles oh around my head. And uh, I think like, what did I say? Twice? No, I think it's what did I say? I am kind of a loose cannon sometimes. Profound <laughs> point. Um, it must have been on a day when you were in a really bad mood. No, I'm joking. <laughs> but you said that when you when I heard you tell your story. And you mentioned that you had found out that medically you were not going to have biological children. And immediately it sounded that it was a very immediate decision where you said, okay, if I'm not going to have a family in one way, then we're going to adopt. It wasn't like a six month, like thinking about it, let's take a walk. Let's discuss it. You jumped in and you said many, this is what I heard you say, that you felt that for survival, you immediately needed to take action and then sort of go through the internal, the the the, the grieving of it. You had to sort of push that off to later on for your for your survival. And I wanted you to, just to talk about that a little bit more. Just to I did say to, that. Unfortunately, I'm yes. like, yep, I, I said that. <laughs> Guilty, right? Um, so obviously, you know, people who are listening, who, you know, are, are dealing with, with disappointment, this kind of struggle between uh, the internal work versus take action, I got to do something to, to, to change it or to yeah. affect yeah. it. Yeah, it is such a it's such a balance. And I think everybody comes at it differently. And I think it really matters like how old you are when you're facing these challenges. And I think, you know, when I did, we did like a question answer thing on Instagram last week and someone asked me, what would you tell your younger self? And, you know, what advice would you give your younger self? And I really, truly believe I'm like nothing right? Like I did the things that I needed to do right at that time. And that's what makes me who I am at 22 years old. When you're told, you know, you're not going to have biological children. Like the way I dealt with that is the way that I needed to deal with that in that time of my life. So did I not, did I push things away? Absolutely. Right. Did I decide that right now? Like if I don't want to sink into an, you know, a depression that I won't be able to get out of, or I want to continue living with joy, then I, I chose to take action. Now to say that that grief and that's, that doesn't go anywhere. Right. So I obviously, you know, years later in therapy started to unpack that and, and kind of maybe go a little bit backwards and, and grieve some of those, those challenges and some of those you know, disappointments and struggles, but I wouldn't do it differently, right? Like I did it the way that I needed to do it. I was 22 years old. Now, when I go through a challenge at 38, maybe it's different. Maybe I have more tools. Maybe I'm, you know, more confident in myself. I've been through a lot. I know how to do it, right? So comparing what you would do now to what you did, you know, to me is, you know, kind of, not productive and I also don't agree with it I feel like we're 20 right youth is wasted on the young they say right we're young we do we're not we're not um developmentally in that place to do things you know perfectly and healthy and you know so someone said to me well you could tell yourself you know give yourself give your younger self a big hug and say it's going to be okay yeah I'm all for that right <laughs> that inner child like I'm there for you and give it a big hug but to say that you know, that was the wrong way to do it, or I would do it differently. Yeah, no. And to say that I'm so grateful now that I have so much more tools, right, to deal with and not push away feelings. 
Um, yes, like I'm so grateful I have that now. But in that moment, I think that what I needed to do to to survive was focus on action. Like, what am I, how, what's next for my life? How am I gonna have a family? Give me something to focus on, right? Because the grief, the, the grief felt too big, right? Is like if I even start that process, I'm I'm never gonna survive. I'm never gonna get out of it. I probably would have, but it felt like too insurmountable at that moment to even go there. Yeah. I like I I, I love that perspective in, in terms of looking back. And because I think, you know, both of us, we do our, our fair share amount of coaching, as I'm sure you do. And uh, people love to just like Monday morning quarterback their life. You should have done yeah. it this way. I should have done, done, done this. Yeah, exactly. And and, the word should should be taken out of the English dictionary, right? Like, yeah, yeah I mean, certainly, <laughs> certainly in retrospect, certainly in retrospect. Mm-hmm. And I think yeah. it's such a wonderful, you know, way to view life as a, a self-acceptance of trust yourself and trust yourself in the past also that like the way what you did then yeah. was what you needed to what do. What I needed to do a hundred percent. And as I, you know, went to therapy and as I unpacked that, like my therapist told me many times, like you did what you had to do and now you're safe enough. Right. And we can, we can, un- we can slowly unwrap that onion a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. Like peel away some layers, get to some of, you know, the deep stuff of, you know, why you react a certain way to this and why, you know, what trigger, what your, what are your triggers? Like we can start to really unpack that because you're in a place to do, to do that. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, then that's, I mean, that's what I do. And that's what I continue to do. Right. Like it's not, it's never going to be done. Right. Like now I'm heading towards, you know, my, my biological clock, right? Like you would think, okay, you don't have natural kids anyway. So what's your biological clock mean to you? But mm-hmm. it's a big deal to know that like, even if like, you know, it's, it's going to be done like pretty soon, like no matter what. And that is a big kind of emotional hurdle to kind of go through and now I can go through that you know with my therapist in the moment you know facing it head on because I have those tools wow there's so wow that hobby that is so powerful (laughs) I also I do wonder I mean I guess there's no way to make like that blanket you know statement but in general I just wonder if in general, that is kind of whatever the the situation is for someone that they're grieving. Like, do you think that is like a general thing? Like just just jump into the next thing that's going to fill your void and then unpack? Like, is that a general rule? I know it works beautifully for you. Yeah. I mean, I I wouldn't like if I was giving some advice to someone, I, I would definitely encourage as much as they can to sit with some of that uncomfortable mm-hmm. feelings mm-hmm. and not push it away too much, especially, you know, depending on the situation, depending yeah, for on, sure. on, on the age of the person and the abilities and the, you know, you know, the emotional stability that that person has. Um, but I do think there's something, I think you'll find that very commonly, like when a very um, tragic or hard thing happens, like right away, people yes. are okay. Right. And then like right away, they're, you know, doing, you know, managing the logistics, right? You have a funeral, you have Shiva, you have you right away, you're, you know, or, or you're dealing with a, a challenge in your kids or your family, like there's something to do, you're doing it, and you're, you're active. 
And then, you know, things settle down and then the grieving starts to happen. So I think it kind of happens naturally that way. We're kind of leaning towards that. I'm not an advocate for stuffing feelings at all. Right. Right. Oh um, yeah. That's for sure. And as much, as much as you can and you feel ready to, to face those feelings is very important. It's just important for people to know that if you're not addressing these feelings now, that's okay. But they are going to have, like, you're going to have to deal with it. Right. It, however long down the road that is, just know that they're not going anywhere. Don't think by stuffing the feelings you're, you're done. Right. If you're not dealing with them, they are going to come back. And if you don't pay attention to them, they're going to come out kind of funny. Right. In, in situations or you're going to, you know, break down in situations, scenarios where you're like, why am I like, what's happening to me? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's those feelings trying to get hurt. Right. Mm. Mm-hmm. I think even just in regular day-to-day life, I know even when there are months or stretches of time and I'm just so busy. Like I remember this past summer, it was so busy. And like, there were things that were like, there was lists of things that I just wanted to think about. Right. I just you wanted know, you to don't have time think right, about them. But exactly. And I didn't, and, and, and even if I had the time, I didn't have the space for it. Capacity. And I literally yeah. made a list of like, these are the things that I just need to think about, but I can't think about it now for the next two months. And then when things clear, clear up, I'm just going to take a little bit of time for myself and just work through, just think about these things and just yeah. process them. You know, yeah. So My husband always laughs, like on Shabbos morning, if I'm like in bed and I'm not reading and I'm up, he's like, oh no. This is not. You're thinking. There's a lot of thinking going on, and it never ends well. (laughs) whatever Dora tells me Dora tells me sometimes I just want to get into your brain I'm like you do not want to go into my brain that is a frightening place place. (laughs) (laughs) exactly could you briefly share with us this just the story because I know each one of your adopted children has a story so can you share with us the story of each one of and, and how the adoptions came about Oh boy. Okay. For three hours. Just the, yeah, know, the short, the short, sure. so the short version. It's super, super brief. Okay. Yes. So, um, Chaya is our first, um, she's not our oldest, but she's our first. Did she's you just 13. say their ages? Oh, thank you. Okay. Yeah. So she's 13. Um, we adopted her, um, when she was 10 weeks old, she was born in Russia, came to the States on a medical visa. Cause she was a preemie and had a lot of medical things to deal with. And then through many circumstances, you know, um, needed to be adopted. And so, you know, through my husband's really close friend who um, is a a shliach in Russia, um, that's how the connection came about. And she was our first. So every story is like miraculous and crazy and has like, whatever. just a few months later, we were contacted about um, my second daughter, ZC. She just had her bat mitzvah. She's 12. Um, and, you know, we found out about her before she was born. So um, Chaya and ZC are 13 months apart, but we adopted them 11 months. Like, so 11 months later, we adopted another baby. We adopted her, you know, at three, she was three days. Crazy story. She was born three weeks early. On Shmini Atzeres, we were in Texas because we weren't, we, we stayed in Montana for the first days and we were still pretty new. So we went to my family for some Plasora. And so she was born Shmini Atzeres that year. Shmini Atzeres was the first day of a three-day holiday. Um, and so we got a fax that she was born and um, 
the hospital was saying like, if you're not here in like 48 hours and we're, she's going to social services. So, oh my gosh. And it's on Yentif. So it was crazy. We had to like, we had somebody who wasn't Jewish who communicated at that time. My mother-in-law was, was very ill and had a nurse at home. So communicated to them in New York, basically long story short, my brother, my brother-in-law and sister-in-law picked up ZC right after Yantif. Like they, they said, okay, we'll give you till an hour after Yantif. You better be here. So they picked her up, spent the night with her. We flew the next, that, that next morning. And we met ZC for the first time in, in Newark airport. Oh my God. <laughs> my my brother-in-law is like, okay, here's your baby. <laughs> We're like, okay. So we had two little babies, a one-year-old oh and a newborn everyone else is going out with their carry-ons you know and you're just like, oh, <laughs> and we're like yeah we're good <laughs> yeah, That's the security. yeah. <laughs> literally i'm from the airport we went to a hotel you can't leave um the state where your adoption takes place until all the legal paperwork it's called interstate until it becomes legal in new jersey new jersey and then it has to be transferred to montana so that takes about 10 days so um so we have to stay in that state where she was born. And if you don't, it's considered kidnapping. So it's pretty serious. So we went straight to our hotel and we spent whatever a week in a week to 10 days in New Jersey till we were able to go home and we went home. So many um, was okay. So two and a half years later, we um, were um, brought into the situation with my son, many he also before he was born. Um, and we, um, did know in advance that he, um, has potential to be of, you know, biracial. Well, he was biracial, but you know, you don't know how, you know, what they're going to look like when they're born. So we, we did know that that was a possibility mm -hmm. and, you know, that was it's something that we didn't take lightly because it's a big deal, you know, raising a child of a different race in Montana, you know, where it's not diverse at all mm -hmm. and, and him being different than the rest of the family. And, and it is, it's a, it's not, I'm not going to say it's, it's a, it's a struggle and a challenge mostly for him. Um, he does have a lot of identity stuff that he goes through. Um, but we were prepared for it as much as we can be right. Um, and so we adopted him. Uh, he's nine and a half years old and um we got him in the hospital and i have a lot of traumatic hospital stories from him but that's not relevant to right now um and then my eight i have an 18 year old daughter who um we adopted six years ago when she was 12. so she landed in our summer camp long story short landed in our summer camp home life was not working was a very big disaster and she joined our family when What's she was 12, name? Shoshana. Shoshana. And um, so she's the oldest, but our fourth child to adopt. She bumped Chaya out of the oldest mm -hmm. kind of spot, which is a very huge point of contention. Um, so we deal with that a lot. Um, but now she's 18, she's in college. Um, if you follow me and you read my blogs, obviously a lot of ups and downs and trauma and dealt, dealt with a lot of, you know, she had, she came to us at 12. She had a, a lifetime of trauma before joining our family. 
And then my five-year-old, um, she was born in Montana. She's our Montana baby. So um, she was born in Montana five years ago, got her at birth. And um, she was the least dramatic of our stories. What's also very miraculous, but a Hanalea. And she is very much dramatic right now. <laughs> <laughs> She's a handful. Um, uh, but yeah, that's like in a, just to touch the surface of the trajectory of our family. You know, with, even with our family, we always try to think about mm -hmm. like, what are the things that we can do to facilitate a feeling of everyone congealing? You know, every every child, is, every biological child is different than, you know, like, okay, how could we, you know, keep this, how can we keep them feeling like a team? And, you know, we sort of, we, we bounce like different ideas, you know, now we're trying to strengthen, you know, dinner time in our house, which, at, which, which was strong at some point. And then somehow or another, it became a five minute thing with everyone doing it at different times. And now we're trying to oh, get well, it back yeah. on the radar. What yeah. are some of the things that have worked in your home or moments that uh, it can be daily things or annual things that yeah. have made this whole team of you know different kids that each one has their own story sort of feel as a, like a family yeah um so dinner is a really big deal in our house it is a sit-down dinner every single night everyone is uh obligated to be there <laughs> um, unless there's obviously like and someone's out of town or my, you know, meeting, whatever. But in general, that's the, that, that's the general rule. And we have a really nice, you know, grounding dinner time. We, everyone says something that they're grateful for. And it's, um, that's very much like a foundation. Um, we do a lot of family trips and I find that that is a huge way of connecting as a family, because even though, you know, we make, you know, we make time for our family and, you know, most of my life is taken up with my family, but when you're home, there's always distractions. There's always something going on. There's always everyone being pulled in it in so many different directions. And I, I learned this from my parents and my, what, how we, how my parents juggled, you know, having a big family and a 24 seven job. Like we went on family trips and that was like the glue, right? Cause you have the week or the, the weekend to be like completely focused, not distracted, you know, go on a trip together, trips, you know, have, you have to problem solve together, you have to work together, you have fun together, right? And you're, you're away from your environment. So you have, I'm not going to say no distractions, but minimal distractions. So um, we do travel a lot and people ask about that all the time and how do you afford it and all those things. And I'm like, listen, it's a priority. Um, it goes on the credit card and we figure out how to pay for it. And it's not something that I will ever give up or stop. It's a really, really, first of all, you know, besides for loving to travel, it's a really important part of our family and how we, we come together and how we build that foundation. Um, so that's a huge thing for us. Hmm. Well, we're, we're working on the uh, first one. <laughs> we should work on the second one a little bit. You got to take some more family trips. Yes. But I mean, that's how I grew up. So it's easy for me to implement, yeah. you know, it's also, I think sometimes for sometimes for us, when we're taking even short trips and everyone is fighting in the car or things like that, we're just, Oh kind my of, gosh. Yeah, for sure. we're like, is this really helping? <laughs> or are we just I always say like, Oh my gosh, there's so much fighting and there's so much drama. 
And it, sometimes in the moment, I'm like, this is so not worth it. But when we come home and what you remember are the amazing memories and the amazing fun you had and the adventure, like it's always worth it hmm. for us. I'm not, okay. for, I'm not saying, I'm not speaking for anybody else, but for us, it is, it is. Yeah. It always like, I'm not traveling is so hard. It's harder to travel than to be at home. For sure. Yeah, it's not know. about. It's I, I like, think that you you experience. story sometimes your trips, and I think you're very real. I think you you show yeah. like, oh boy, I, uh, yeah, I'm gonna need a vacation from this vacation. You know, like it's exactly. hard. Yeah, we, remember, we have my line. It's not a vacation; it's a family trip. Yes, exactly, um, <laughs> exactly. That is your line. <laughs> so, of course, it's so much harder to be away from home than to be home. Like this is not about easy and always fun. It's about like what it provides and what it does right and and adventure is like I mean you gotta have it <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah um uh, I know that Tavara said from following you that um self-care is a big part of what you speak about on your platform <sighs> and um I saw just even on on your website you speak about nine or 10 or 15 things that you a toolbox do. yeah your toolbox exactly your yeah. toolbox yeah and um and I think one of those things was like energy energy healing versus said you're into sort of alternative kind of homeopathic things I'm cookie can you speak <laughs> a little bit about that yeah I think that's that, yeah. that's that's very interesting uh, to me and to, to our listeners yeah, yeah. okay so self-care obviously like is a buzzword that like people have visceral feelings about either they're like, ugh, right? Or, you know, they're gung-ho about it. I think it's just the word, but if, you know, everybody needs to, to pay attention to their emotional and physical needs. Basically that's what self-care is, right? Like you need to pay attention to what your body is telling you. Um, so I do have a post about like my toolbox and I'm not at any given moment doing all those things at once, right? It's just, I have things to pick from, right? And sometimes you don't have two days to take care of yourself. You have 10 minutes, okay? So what are you gonna do in those 10 minutes? So um, I am, I I do lean towards an alternative way of, it shouldn't be called alternative, more holistic way of, of approaching my life and my children's life. Um, I'm all for, you know, Western medicine when needed, but it's not the be all end all for me. Um, I do believe in, I mean, I always laugh when people like, you know, think energies like of, you know, some kind of hippy dippy, like crazy thing. I'm like, you know, that you're a ball of energy, right? Like <laughs> we are all balls of energy, like, you know, and, and when people laugh and say, how could your stomach, stomach ache be emotional? Like, and you want to separate your physical body from your emotional body. I'm like, guys, like, what do you do when you're sad? What do you do when you're happy? You cry, right? You do something physical. What happens when you're nervous? Your stomach feels butterflies. Why does that make sense to you over like stress being stomach ache or, or, or eczema being, you know, you know, like our bodies are, it's just, you can't separate them. They work together. Everything that we feel emotionally is going to manifest physically. And so I just like to pay attention to that. And I've done many different things over the years. I've, I've done, I've worked with my She Weinbaum for like emotion code and releasing some of those trapped emotions to breath work to, you know, all sorts of things. I use essential oils. I use Bach flower remedies. Um, right now, actually, as we speak, when you ask me something that I'm passionate about, um, I'm actually taking a breath course um, with somebody amazing. I'm doing it online, but it's, it's just the learning of the, 
the physi physiological aspects of our breath and how you literally can lower your blood pressure, your risk for heart attack, stress, all that stuff can be managed with your breath. And That's it wild. is- That's wild. So how long is this course, Javi? It's three months. Oh my gosh, three months learning how to breathe. <laughs> yeah, because you start off with like learning the mechanics of your breath, right? And you know, the proper way to breathe and why we breathe that way and the, you know, the, the oxygen versus the CO2 and how our body needs both. And, you know, like, and how we one affects the other and breathing, mouth breathing versus nose breathing, like all this stuff is so like, and these are things that we really can um, do for ourselves. Right. So like, if you're having, like, you cannot have a panic attack if you're breathing optimally, right. A panic attack mm -hmm. is, is like, you cannot that will not happen if you can call, if you can breathe and calm your breath, right? Mm. Like these are certain, like you will probably not be as, it, obviously there's many different reasons for dysfunctional breathing, but 80% of people with anxiety are breathing dysfunctionally. That, yeah, that totally makes So sense. obviously there's anxiety that's not to do with your breath, but you can affect your anxiety and the feeling of your body just by um, be, paying attention to your breath. How long can you hold your breath, right? How long can you exhale? The fast, quick breathing, you know, is going to activate you versus slow, calm breathing, right? It's going to lower your blood pressure automatically. Are these techniques that you teach your children or these are just for you? Uh, so the reason why I'm doing this breath course is first of all, because I want to learn these things for me, yeah. but also for my children. My children are, you know, like they're hard students. They like, they're not always interested in what I have to tell them. Um, but I hope to really just incorporate this as part of our lives, right? Mm -hmm. Like little things, like you don't have to do, you know, a couple minutes every day. Like it doesn't have to be something that takes your whole day. Yeah. But a little changes can make a really big difference. What, what is your process of like discovering these things or learning about these things most of this holistic healing is not part of the mainstream program yeah you know and like I remember for myself just learning you know several years ago it was probably you know 10 years ago just about the concept of energy I happened to have heard a lecturer who mentioned it and then I got a, a book called the energy cure and then I ended up buying a book in Torah called you know that went through the the alternative healing or something in the Torah and I was like I could have lived my whole life and never, not knowing ever, about it. ever discovered yeah, this. Like sure. even now, sure. like you, you mentioned someone Mo Moshe Weinbaum. Oh, you should I, follow yeah. I never heard of him. I'm going to Google him after this, and he'll like, probably yeah. be on the podcast in a couple of weeks from now. Exactly. <laughs> oh, for sure, and you should. But like, I would have never. So, what is your process of discovering what are these things that you need? You know, to yeah. To... I always gravitated towards it, even as I kind of grew up, and my mother was kind of, be, you know, uh, beyond her times or ahead of her times. Um, in just being open to these things. And um, our doctor, you know, was a homeopath. Um, we had a we had a pediatrician too, but our go to like very close family friend was a, a, he was an MD, but he was also a homeopath. And that was our, the first line of defense, right? What can you do holistically naturally before you take antibiotics or before you're taking meds or, you know, before you're doing any of that stuff. So I definitely have it in me. And I'm just super fascinated. I'm like, I love knowledge. I love to read. I love to learn new things. And I just have this, like, sometimes I have to calm myself down because then I learn all these things and I'm like, it's impossible to incorporate all of them. 
right? There's so many things that we could be doing. And then I get overwhelmed. Like I should be doing this, right? The should, like I should be doing this and I should be doing this. And it's not, my therapist has to talk me down from that a lot. Like you, that is causing stress, the mm. opposite of what you need to be doing, right? So like trying to take, you know, really bite sizes, little things at a time, but I just love mm. to learn. And I think when we try, also I've been forced into it a lot with my children and the things, their needs, right? Like I'm constantly getting forced to like problem solve these things that are not easy to problem solve. So I'm constantly like having to really push against, you know, because meds have not been successful for my children most of the time, you know, and I'm like, well, what are we going to do? Right. And so I, uh, I just, I think that when we're trying to live optimally and or if we're trying to heal, like there's not one thing that's going to be like going to heal you. Right. It's there's so many parts to us. There's so many parts to our physical and emotional body. Like it takes, you know, a little bit of this and a little bit of that. Right. A little bit of breathing, a little bit of homeopathy, homeopathy, a little bit of, you know, proper nutrition, a, a lot of bit of sleep, some meditation. Right. Like some, you know, cryotherapy, some sauna, right? Like a little bit of, you know, that's all, they're all important parts of our healing and they all do something different. So obviously we're not gonna be able to do all of them all at once, but to say, oh, I do um, homeopathy, so I'm not gonna do energy healing or I only do this thing, right? Like if you're open to it, right? Like these things can affect a really big change and it's not like one or the other, right? Like it's not like, oh, because I'm into energy healing or homeopathy, like uh, my kids are never going to have antibiotics, but my doctor knows that like, I'm not going to just take antibiotics because my kid has an ear infection, right? Like if it's being managed, right. And if I can do it with essential oils and her fever is manageable and she's and she's okay, then my doctor's going to let me do that. Right. If it, we all like, I'm a responsible person. If I see that, okay, like this infection really needs to be kicked then I'll do that, right? It's not like I'm never gonna use Western medicine, but to say that that's my first line of defense, it never is. Two more quick questions and then I know the to go. Two quick questions. I could go, could we have part two? Okay, <laughs> <laughs> two, two, more, two more just quick questions. Um, number one is of all of these things, if you had to uh, recommend to our listeners, you would say, listen, I just said a lot of things, but here's the one thing that I would recommend that you start doing daily, like a daily, something that you do daily for yourself, a routine, I don't mean one thing, a routine that is meaningful for you daily that you would share with everyone and say, I really think that you should start doing this. You know, it's a really, really good question. And I, I'm trying to think because like, for me, like I started with, um, you know, essential homeopathy, essential oils and bakla remedies and then energy healing, diet, like what I put in my body. And then now my last line of like my, la I finally got into like the core of it, which is the breath, right? And like, if you were starting, I would almost say maybe like, really it's all like the breath is your, like the core of it all, right? So I would say maybe like, you know, learn a, learn a breath practice, meditate for five minutes, you know, do your breathing for, but that's not, some, it's not always accessible and doesn't always feel doable to people. It took me a long time to even get to the breath. It's a lot easier to be like, oh, here are some essential oils, boost your immunity. You know, here's some good ones for emotions, right? Like that is a little bit easier. And like, um, 
accessible and you can kind of wrap your brain around it. So it just depends on, well, how deep do you want to go? Like what's accessible? Cause for some people, essential oils is going to be so much more accessible than breath work. And some people are like, I don't want anything to do with essential oils. I'll meditate for five minutes. Right. Or I'll take a cold shower or I'll, you know, do a sauna every once in a while. So it really, like, I, I just recommend people really like listening to themselves and, and doing something that they feel is sustainable. Because if you bite off more than you can chew, like with anything, you're going to end up with nothing. So just what do you gravitate towards? You gravitate towards, a, you know, uh, green juice, you know, or do you gravitate towards, you know, something kind of deeper or do you gravitate towards, you know, taking a walk every day? Like that's a great way to start, you know? So it just really, I have a hard time really like saying this is the thing that you should start with. Last question. You've been through a lot of ups and downs. You continue to deal with this stuff daily. Um, and you're an influencer and you're inspiring people daily. So what would you say? That's is I, your... I, don't, I don't know if I'm in that category, but. <laughs> yeah, you're definitely Indeed. definitely are. I confess. <laughs> what is your overall, if you have to just sort of nail it down to just, if you had to sh- get on to the top of a mountain in in yellow, you're near your Yellowstone. Yellowstone, yeah. You're Yellowstone, yeah. right? You get on the top of the highest mountain in Yellowstone and yell this out, yell out to the world. This is what I want everyone to know about going through challenges and disappointments and highs and lows. Go. Okay. Oh my gosh. That is like the hardest question I've ever Of course, we saved the best for last. <sighs> okay. Um, okay. Uh, I hate having to hold one thing. Oh. <laughs> I'm feeling um, you. Uh, okay. So obviously I come from uh, a very strong foundation of faith, right? So to me, what's real, like if I like really push everything else aside, the, the thing that's gotten me through the hardest times is my faith, number one, and the idea that I really, truly believe that everything happens for a reason. And I might not know it, I might not understand it, it could piss me off, right? But deep down, I know that God has a plan, right? And I believe in it. So I, I do actually really um, empathize with people who don't have that foundation of faith, because I actually don't know what I would do if I didn't believe everything happened for a reason, like then what the heck is the point of anything, right? If I can't live the life the way I think it should be lived or what I want out of it, then what's the point? And I would be so depressed, but because I know that even if it's not the way I want it to be, or it's not what I expected for myself, I know that that's God's plan and it's good. Right? So that's number one. And maybe that doesn't apply to everybody, but I I do encourage people to kind of to like have a conversation with themselves about their faith, right? Like dig deeper, like even you don't have to have the same faith like I do, right? But like, you know, challenge it, right? Like make it part of, like at least it should be a conversation. It should be part of your life. Like where's your faith at? You know, do you believe at all? Why? Why do you not? Why do you? Yes. Right. Like play with that a little bit. And then the other thing is like, it's good. It's okay. All your feelings are okay. All your feelings are okay. Right. When you're mad, makes sense. When you're sad, makes sense. When you're angry, that makes sense. When you're happy, like some people don't allow themselves to be happy. You know that that's a thing. I have a daughter like that. Like, 
doesn't, it's like, it doesn't allow her. It's like not okay to be happy. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's, that's hard. Like when you're happy, when you're feeling joy, that's okay. Um, and we all like, what I've learned the most is that everybody life is hard. Right. Like I just learned in Tanya, like, um, which I think is like life-changing, like the service, when we service is in the work, right? Service is in your struggle. When we are struggling, we are serving God. Mm. Um, and so huge perspective shifts, by the way, if you can start to think of your struggle as service, right? Wow. Just putting that out there. But we all, every single person on this planet, it has struggles and they're different. And I always say like, if, and if we were all to put our struggles in the middle, right, we'd all take back our own because the comparative suffering, what's worse, what's better. It's irrelevant. We all struggle in our lives. Like struggling is part of life. Life is not, it, life is hard, right? Life is hard. And I think when we start to recognize that and start stop expecting it to be a piece of cake, like it really changes things. Like when you know that yeah, life is actually meant to be a challenge, right? It's meant to be hard. Sometimes we're meant to work through a lot of hard things. Like that's why we're here. And, um, so, so yeah, like we all have our struggles. You're, you're all the, like, it doesn't mean we have to be happy about them, right? Like mm-hmm. we can, it's okay. All our feelings are okay. It, right. And, and find support, find support because you, everyone needs support and connection to move through life. Awesome. Where wow, can people Bobby. find you? More oh, of you. Man, that was, that was awesome. a hard question. That was amazing. And you, <laughs> you, you, you nailed it. it. You nailed it. Um, okay. Where can people find me? Um, I'm on Instagram. Um, uh, Brook is my handle. I have a blog called clearasmud.blog. Um, that's kind of where I just, it, I started it as like something therapeutic for me. Um, and it still is because sometimes I post things that are not super popular, but I'm like, I'm going to look back and I'm going to want to see that, you know? Mm. Um, so I do all sorts of things, travel, my thoughts, practical posts, and you know, whatever is going on in my life is usually there. Um, and yeah, those are the two places I really hang out the most Instagram, Fantastic. my oh. blog, you know, Perfect. it was great okay, hearing your story. Continue this podcast. We're going to come actually visit you in Montana, all of our kids. It's going to be our first family trip. Oh my gosh. I I would love that. We'll roll out the red carpet. <laughs> thank you again. We really wow, appreciate thank it. You, thank you. Wish thank you so success. much for having me. That was really fun. Thank you so much for listening. I hope that you'll subscribe to the podcast and you can always go to rabbishlomo.com for more great content and resources and to connect directly with me.